Welcome to this podcast by The Rocks Church. We hope you find it challenging and inspiring. For more information, visit therocks.church. Good morning, everybody. My name is Daniel. I'm part of the team here at The Rocks. Uh, about a few months ago, I would say four months ago, my son, Jaden, who is 17, uh, came to me and said, Dad, 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 you gotta, you got to watch this guy. you got to listen to this, this interview. This guy is amazing. He's an ex-gangster dad. And I said, okay, Jaden, okay. And it turned out to be Johnny Chang with his famous interview with Soft White Underbelly that within a few months, that interview uh, went viral. Six million views within just uh, a matter of months. And when I heard that story, what's amazing about Johnny, it's not just his story of transformation, but the guy is articulate, he's intelligent, he's, he's, he's wise beyond his years, he's very soft-spoken, you know, but don't let his soft-spokenness, gentleness fool you. He can beat you up good, so be very careful with that. So um, I want to welcome to The Rocks for the first time, Johnny Chang. Let's welcome him. How you guys right. doing? <laughs> Johnny, before we start, I, I have a beef with you, man. Um, I used to be my son's hero <laughs> until you came along and it's Johnny Chen this, Johnny Chen that. I thought, nah, um, but I'm too scared of you to <laughs> do anything. So. What do you mean, Pastor? You're my bodyguard. There you go. <laughs> All right, we're going to start with uh, something light. Uh, Johnny Chang, just to introduce uh, what you like to the people of the rocks, uh, it's, a, it's a game that I call This or That, sure. all right? Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Mm, MJ. MJ, yeah. all right. You only have like two seconds to answer okay. these questions, all right? <laughs> Apple or Android? Android. <laughs> all right, that's it. Thanks, Johnny Chang, for coming <laughs> to the rocks. <laughs> Noodles or burgers? Noodles. There you go. You're back to being my friend now. For sure. Okay. I got you. Summer or winter? Summer. Okay. Beach or mountain? Beach. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Netflix or YouTube? YouTube. There you go. Dogs or people? People. <laughs> Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? No. <laughs> Save 100 strangers or one loved one? Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> Sacrifice me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, oh, man, 100 strangers. 100 strangers. Uh, all right. uh, you just came from Brisbane? Yes. Brisbane or Perth? Western Australia, baby. Hey, let's go. I wouldn't go an extra 2,000 miles, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Johnny, I thought it would be good for us to... Uh, to know a little bit more about yourself in case people here don't know your story. Absolutely. Would you tell us the story of your life, how you went uh, to be a gang member sure. and your transformation? Absolutely. So um, first and foremost, thank you for having me. You know, I love you guys very much. Thank you guys for coming out and supporting. Um, my name is Johnny Chang. I'm from uh, Los Angeles, California. I grew up on the east side of LA where there's a lot of drugs, gangs, and violence. 
Um, at the age of 12 years old, ripe old age of 12 years old, I joined the gang. Uh, ended up getting locked up, going to prison, uh, spent about 13 years in prison. So from 12 to 25, I was locked up. And um, I, I eventually, you know, lived that type of lifestyle. You know, I didn't just draw on my body uh, because I ran out of paper, right? Obviously, <laughs> this represents something. But um, I was a person who really trusted myself and followed myself a lot. And I lived this up and down lifestyle, happy when I was happy, sad when I was sad. Uh, I came to, to find God through my mother, actually, uh, at the age of 25 years old. Uh, this was back in 2014, 2015. Uh, since then, I've been going to prisons. I've been essentially evangelizing to people. Um, I'm an international chaplain as well. And yeah, I went on software at Underbelly. I blew up, and here I am in, in, in Perth. <laughs> amazing. Um, one of the, I thought, most amazing things in that interview uh, was the story of your reconciliation with your with your dad right and this morning I thought for those of you who haven't seen the interview yet uh, I want to show a short clip of that interview of how you get to be reconciled with your dad absolutely and then I'll ask you another question after that sounds Let's good watch this at that time he had asked me about this one question and he said how is your relationship with your father I said it's horrible I honestly hate him you know I I feel like the reason why I joined a gang, the reason why I was angry, the reason I was so like violent was because of my father. Okay, so listen to me very carefully, he said. When you meet your father, I want you to apologize to him. And I was like, what? I didn't ask to be born. Um, he had a responsibility to take care of me. But when I was born, you know, he beat me and he didn't, he wasn't there for me. And I felt like just so, angry when he, he asked me to apologize to him. And you know what he said was, he said, Johnny, you're right. But because you're right, you know, that he beat you and you didn't have a good childhood, you're also miserable. And that hit me, you know, really deeply. You're miserable because when you go outside and you see fathers who, who do respect their children, who did raise them well, um, you know, you, you feel that pain he said, you know, why do people argue? Why do people fight? Why is there no peace? Because two people are right. You're right, I'm wrong. The other party thinks, no, I'm right, you're wrong, right? And then they start to fight. And then there's no peace. But when one person becomes wrong, he says, then everything drops and then they can start to heal. Peace starts to come in, you know, and they're able to grow. So he said, even though you don't understand it, I ask that you accept what I'm saying and just move forward. So at that time, I put down everything I felt and I trusted this man, right? And I was like, okay, I'm not gonna trust myself. Let me see what he says and let me just try it out. You know, what's the harm in trying it out? So I call my father and it's such an awkward phone call. I haven't talked to him for years. And I say, hey dad, it's Johnny. He's like, who? <laughs> like, it's, it's your son. He's like, oh. And the first thing out of his mouth I remember vividly was, uh, I don't have any money for you. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I got a little angry, you know, and I don't need your money, but kind of simmered down. And I was like, you know, dad, I just want to talk to you. I, it's really urgent. I need to speak to you about something. I said, okay. So we planned to go to this pho restaurant in Alhambra. And we get there. He's sitting across from me. I'll never forget. It's awkward. There's so much tension. He's not looking at me in my face. I'm looking off to the wall and and I re but I remember vividly 
what the pastor told me, you know, just move forward, just apologize. It's okay. You know, I am your breaking system, right? So I told him, Dad, you know, I'm here today to tell you that I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being a bad son. I'm sorry for being a bad... Sorry. I'm sorry that I wasn't there for you, <clears throat> that I didn't help, and I, and I didn't live up to your standards. And then my father actually, he started crying. He said, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be a bad, that I was a bad father. I'm sorry I didn't give you a good childhood, and I'm sorry I couldn't control my drinking, and that you had to suffer because of that. You know, 20 years of pain, anger, frustration, it was crushed. We hugged it out. And I, now we have a great relationship. If I tried to understand and wrap my head around it, if I held my own righteousness, I would have never experienced this. That's amazing. Johnny, uh, in that interview, you said, because you're right, you're also miserable. And you say, why do people argue and fight? Because two people are right. And you also said in your other interview, I think, it's hard to live with people who's always right. Absolutely. Just expand on that thought. A bit. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, a lot of the fights and, and even wars, if you guys think about it, is because two sides or two parties think that they're right. You know, people don't just sit there and say, I'm wrong, okay? And then the other person's like, no, I'm more wrong. Okay, no one argues like that. Most people argue like, I'm right, you're wrong, and, and vice versa, right? So uh, when a person is right, you know, let's say, for example, Ukraine and Russia is at war right now. Both of them are standing for their beliefs. They believe that they're right. Then there is no peace. You know, the railroads are broken. The, the telephone lines are down. It's chaos everywhere. But when one side surrenders, when one, you know, person is wrong, then peace can start to flow in, right? The roads can be rebuilt and all that. So Pastor was telling me, you know, Johnny, you're right but you're also miserable, and it was true. Every single time that I was right, everybody around me was miserable. You know, if you guys know anybody, I'm sure everybody knows that one person that no matter what, even if Jesus himself came down and told you you're wrong, he's like, no, I'm still right, right? Those people, when you're around those types of people, it's very hard to be around those types of people. They push everybody away, they're, they just, they're not able to listen, right? So I was that person, and I, although I was right, I was truly miserable and it caused me a lot of pain and anger and frustration inside of my heart. Yeah. So for those who are still struggling with like reconciliation or yeah. forgive, forgiveness, right. is there any advice you want to give them? Absolutely. So when we look at uh, a person, you know, I, I'm going to quote scripture here. Um, you know, we are at a church, right? So Romans chapter 7 verse 15 says, For the things that I do, I don't want to do. The things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I hate, that I do. Right? So when I looked at myself, you know, pastor was telling me, Johnny, do you want to be depressed? 
do you want to be lonely? I was like, of course not. I hated being depressed. I hated being lonely, right? But he said, why do you always end up lonely? Why do you always end up depressed? Why do you always end up frustrated and angry all the time, right? It's because you hate it, but the word of God says, verse 20, Romans chapter 7, verse 20, now then, if I do the things that I don't want to do, it is no longer I that do it, but the sin that dwells in me. So I was able to see, oh, you know what? There's something inside of me that I couldn't see, sin, that was dragging me this way. I don't want to do these things. I regret it. I feel bad, but I keep going back to these things, this sin, repent lifestyle, right? And a pastor told me, Johnny, do you think that that only applies to you? I thought about it very deeply at that time. You know, he said, no, it applies to everybody, your father included. There was some things, although outwardly my father was doing these things, beating me, beating my mom, sending my mom to the ICU, beating up my brother. Um, Outwardly, he looked like a raging alcoholic, but inwardly, there was something that was dragging him, and that was sin. So I was able to see, okay, I stopped looking at the outward, and I started looking inward, and I started to see and believe the word of God that it's not him. There's this evil spirit that is dragging people to do these things, just like it dragged me. So actually, we were very similar. And when I was able to see it from a bird's eye perspective, I was able to truly have peace inside of my heart and move forward and, and go boldly. It was only the word of God. Yeah, it wasn't because I was like, okay, I'm going to muster up the courage. No, 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 I didn't have any courage, right? I didn't like my dad. I thought he was going to die, and I wouldn't see him, and I was happy with that. But once I recognized that, you know, I was, as you guys seen in the clip, I was able to say sorry. You know, it didn't make sense to me, right? When does the victim apologize to the, to the aggressor? Nowhere in this world, whether it's Australia or, or America, but I was able to see that once I was wrong, peace entered inside of my heart. Yeah, um, I think you said something that I want to ask you to continue to explore. Uh, you talk about in one of your interviews the difference between deep thinking and overthinking right. and how to not give in to your impulses, how yes. you know, it's easy for an otherwise intelligent person to be overcome by emotion that, that damages them for the rest of their lives. Absolutely. So talk about that. Yeah, so there's a difference between deep thinking and overthinking. And a lot of people think that it overlaps, but it's completely different, right? So overthinking at the core of overthinking is always negative. It's always negative. So it'll start with something like, you know, I don't know about you guys, but when I would lay up in my cell at night, right, um, I would have just one thought enter my mind. It would be something like, you're pitiful. You're nothing to society. And from that, it would start to snowball. Oh, you're nothing. You're depressed. You're in prison. You're never going to do well. You don't even have an education. It keeps going. And it starts to really make me feel like crushed and broken in my spirit. Next thing you know, snowballing, I'm spiraling out of control. Tears are down my eyes. Nothing has happened. My mind is racing, though. This is a, a symptom of overthinking. Deep thinking, however, is always positive and empathetic at its core. So when I think deeply about my, my, my life, you know, I'm, I'm like, wow, you know, I almost, it's kind of like a seatbelt. You know, when you're driving 90 miles per hour, right? I don't know how much that is in kilometers, okay? I have a GED education, right? Okay, so um, you're, I'm driving that fast, and let's say I do crash. But luckily, I have a seatbelt on, right? And it saves me. Let's say I don't fly through the window. Then even every time I think about it, although it was something that was really chaotic, I can be thankful for the seatbelt. Like, wow, I'm so thankful I had the seatbelt. That is deep thinking, thinking deeply about stuff all the way to the end, right? So overthinking is always negative. 
deep thinking is always um, positive and empathetic. It's the same thing in the Bible. Condemnation is always negative. You feel condemned. Conviction is always positive. There's a difference, right? So a lot of people get these things mixed up, but it's very, very important to understand that these thoughts are not from us. Like, I, like that example I was talking about where I lay in bed and I'm just, you know, it's spiraling. I'm sure everyone has felt that before, right? Those thoughts are not our thoughts. Because if they were my thoughts, let's say it's my hand. If I, I have control, I can pull this water back and forth, right? Then I'm in control and it's my arm. But once it starts doing this and I can't control it, it's no longer under me, right? It's not mine anymore. So likewise, if these thoughts are our thoughts, let's say, and I have depressive thoughts, lonely thoughts, and they're mine, once I say, okay, I'm not thinking about this anymore, they should stop. But if you notice, when you try to stop them, it amplifies, it comes in even more. That is no longer your thoughts, but the thoughts of the enemy. And he's trying to pour that inside of you. Understand? Yeah. That's so good. Um, for those who often use their, their past experience, bad stuff that happened to them as an excuse for right. the way they live, for the way they act today. Yeah. Um, you also mentioned in, in that interview how you have a friend who went through almost similar stuff as you, and they, he turned out well. Yeah. Uh, would you talk to those of us who tend to give excuses for our, for our behavior or what we're like today? Right. So I think uh, the core of sin, the core of having a lot of issues and just living a destructive life or just an empty lifestyle is trusting and believing in ourselves. Right? If you look at this world, for example, what do they teach you? Trust in yourself, believe in yourself, follow your heart. The funny thing is the Bible says lean not on your own understanding. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Your heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked, who can know it, right? So a lot of people think that once they trust themselves, that it's important to, you know, like they'll live a happy life basically. But my friend, for example, right, didn't trust himself. So me and my friend grew up in this thing called project housing. Uh, it's, it's in the back here, that's Section 8 low income, meaning governmental housing. He grew up around drugs. He grew up around gangs. He grew up around, yeah, that's me right there too, by the way. <laughs> Little troublemaker. I don't know what happened to me. But anyways, so yeah, yeah. So basically, um, essentially, you know, we grew up, we, we grew up around the same age, you know, for that's me, five years old. And he, uh, we've seen drugs and gangs everywhere, right? So there's drugs and gangs everywhere, but not everybody's a drug addict, drug dealer, or a gang member. And why is that? Is because I had a different heart than my friend. When I was young, I had this, this, thought that I'm going to believe in myself and I'm going to do everything that I want to do. And the things that I didn't want to do, chores, homework, things like that, I didn't do, right? Because I thought it wouldn't it would make me happy. Obviously, at 12 years old, I end up in a gang. I end up in prison. And so it was really something that, you know, uh, I learned that we had different hearts. My friend, uh, one day we were walking through the, the, the governmental housing and there was a, a drug dealer, known drug dealer, and he had a, a, a joint Right? Do you guys? I don't know if you guys know what a joint is, but yeah, it's 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 like like a uh, it's cigarette, right? Exactly, but with weed in it, and it was you know had like drugs in it. Essentially, the the drug dealer was like, "Hey, Johnny, try some," and I was like, "Yeah, let's go!" Right? I was like so crazy, but my friend said something really really different. He was like, "What if we get caught?" That's the first thing he said. What if my mom catches me? Then like she'll beat me up. Like I don't want to do that. You know? What if I get addicted? 
That's what he said. And, and me, and my, me and the drug dealer just laughed at him, you know. Needless to say, though, because he didn't trust himself, for example, he ended up going to UCLA, which is his prestigious school. He ended up becoming a CPA and now works for the top five accounting firm in, in America. Whereas me, when I trusted myself and did everything I wanted to do, I ended up in these places like prison, juvenile hall, YA, jail, you know, county jail, all that. So I was able to see that I trusted myself a lot and that's why I was living up and down, right? I'm an imperfect person trying to produce perfect results, impossible, and that's why I felt empty and fell short every single time. So that's what I was. That's how I was living. Wow. So for those, uh, again, just staying on his thought, for those who say, "Oh yeah, but it's not going to affect me. I'm going to just try this a little bit. It's going to affect other people, maybe, but yeah. not me. Yeah. You know, uh, I'll, 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 I won't get addicted. Or yeah. I won't." What, what would you say yeah. to them? So I would say that is the core of trusting in yourself. Thinking that, oh, I don't, it's not going to happen to me. You know, the, everyone has this thought. I'm sure the guy who tried it, you know, ended up, you know, uh, like let's say a drug, drug addict. Most drug addicts do drugs because they have that type of heart. Whereas my friend never tried drugs. Even so now, that same friend, we're still in contact. Never smoke, never drink. So I gambled. I was like, oh, it's not going to happen to me. And I touched it. He, because he was afraid and didn't trust himself, did not gamble, so he couldn't even get hooked. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that's when he was able to really, like I was able to differentiate that, oh, he lives peaceful because he didn't trust himself, just in that one thing. So, yeah. Wow, okay. Now, um, for people who are wanting to find community, yeah. right? And this the, I often hear, oh, the gang will love you. If you join the gang, they're like your family, and I, I can't find that type of, community in, yeah. in church it's not like realistic that right. everybody's better than me and right. looking down on me yeah. uh, but if i join my my friends they accept me as i am and i can be part of their family yes so how would you uh, tell them yeah, yeah. What would you tell them? so I, I i work with a lot of so technically i'm still in my gang i just graduated right and what that means is like obviously i'm not out here carrying guns and doing drugs you know what i mean but i stay with my gang because they are my family my brother for example is in it my cousins are in it my uncles are in it even if i leave the gang they can't stop being my brother cousins and uncles right so what was really good about this is that God has allowed me to be in a position where I'm able to bring now my brother, my cousins, and my uncles, as well as the, we call them the little homies, the, young, the younger generation. They come to church with me. Right? So if you come to my church, there's like a million people that look like me right in the front row, right? We all knuckleheads and, and drew on our bodies, right? So, um, but it, it's amazing because although they're gang members, although maybe some of us here haven't been in gangs, we're all interconnected through sin. We're all interconnected through struggle. So we shouldn't throw people away just because they don't look like us or, you know what I mean? Like I was able to see that God put me in the lowest of the low, like hell on earth, essentially prison at the age of 12 to recognize this heart that we're all the same. Now I mentor a lot of, you know, different people, CPAs, doctors, lawyers, they all feel this emptiness and this void inside of their heart. And that is because that's the yearning of the spirit, you know? So um, I'm, I'm here to provide the, the, the weapons and, and equip them with the knowledge and the heart to overcome these things, right? And, and that's what I give people is hope inside of their hearts. I never tell my friends, just like the pastor didn't tell me, stop carrying a gun and this and that. I just give them hope constantly inside of their hearts. And it casts out the darkness, just like Genesis, you know? The, the word of God, when it said, you know, the word of, let there be light, 
that darkness and emptiness and void in the earth. We don't know how long it was dark. As soon as the water, uh, the word entered, it casted out all the darkness. It's the same thing with our hearts. When the word of God entered my heart, casted out all the darkness. And that's just what I do for people. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, so good. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, one thing that I think a lot of people, including my son, what they love about you is how, how much wisdom you have and how articulate you are in explaining complex theological stuff in a, in a real and, and practical way. And, and that, as a speaker, as a pastor, I thought to myself, when I hear one of your illustrations, one of your stories, I thought to myself, I could have come up with that, but I didn't, you know? And I think God is not fair. He gave you that wisdom. Uh, and uh, one of the things that you, uh, one of the illustrations that you use that I really, really love is your washing machine illustration. When yeah. people question their relationship with Jesus, yeah. you know, oh, will, will I lose my salvation? Will, yeah. I, will I get to keep it? If I yeah. misbehave, does that mean yeah. I lose my salvation? And you explain it so well in that, in that yeah. uh, illustration. Can yeah. you share with us? Absolutely. So I'll, I kinda, I'll tie it all together. Yeah. So sin, people think sin is just doing evil things and, and, you know, like lusting and drinking and smoking. Of course, those things are sin. But I would like to explain sin something like a virus. We just went through COVID, right? So when COVID enters your body, for example, the virus, um, what are the symptoms? You know, fever, headache, sore throat, right? Let's say. And if you just get rid of the fever, headache, and sore throat, let's say the symptoms, but your body doesn't fight the COVID-19 virus, then even though it'll suppress a little bit the fever, it'll bounce back up, right? So the body has to fight the virus. Once you fight the virus, the symptoms go out, right? So likewise, sin right, is the true, the true um, essence of sin is unbelief. Everything starts with not believing in the word of God, trusting what you feel above the word of God. And from there come the byproduct of sin, right? God says, do not murder people. When I was in prison, we had a standard. You can murder rapists and child molesters. God says, do not murder. We're like, right then and there, I had to distrust that, trust in myself, trust what I saw, and then the sin came out of that. You understand? So when we think about it, people get rid of lust and, you know, let's say they're struggling with pornography or anger. They think, oh, if I just bounce with my eyes and if I don't, you know, watch this and watch that, they're actually just getting rid of the symptom. They're not getting rid of the actual sin, which is unbelief, right? So we have to focus at the root issue, and that's how I was explaining it on Soft White Underbelly. So Jesus Christ has came down. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14 says, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. So when you guys get a chance, if you read perfected very meticulously, it's in past tense. Well, when something is in past tense, that means it's already finished, right? So perfected means we're already perfect, and then it says forever, which means eternally. So not just temporarily, because there's nothing forever in this world. Forever through who? Jesus Christ. So my thoughts told me, no, you're a sinner, you're evil, YOLO lifestyle, meaning do whatever you want, you're going to die anyway, so just live however you want, right? Word of God says, no, you're perfect. You don't have to live that way anymore. Right then and there, I had to make a decision. Am I going to trust myself, and how did I lead my life after trusting myself in prison, shooting people, getting shot myself, getting stabbed myself, or am I going to trust the Word of God that doesn't change, right, and is the true Word of God? So I was able to cast away my unbelief, and for one time, trust the word of God inside of my heart. And I started to live a better lifestyle just by following this word of God that tells us that we're perfected forever. Yes, we're not perfect people, right? But through Jesus Christ, we have become perfected already. That's what God is telling us. Amen? So, yeah.
And what about the washing machine? machine. Yeah. yeah. And the washing machine. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, guys. I still so remember, Johnny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So the washing machine analogy is the same thing. Jesus Christ came down. He said he died for our sins, right? And he made us cleansed. He made us holy. He washed us, right? But let's say, like, dirty clothes, for example. What kind of clothes needs to be washed? Dirty clothes or clean clothes? Dirty clothes, right? But let's say you put a dirty clothes inside a washing machine, and it still comes out dirty, for example. Then that means the washing machine is broken. Would you guys agree? Yes, right? So very practically, Jesus Christ came down to die for all of our sins, right? And it says in John chapter 1, verse 29, it says, Behold, the Lamb of God, which take away the sins of the world, right? So our sins in this world, well, are our past sins in this world? Yes. What about our present sins? They're also in this world. What about our future sins? Also in this world. So if God says he took away all of our sins, that's why he can call us perfected. God cannot lie and tell us that we're perfect when we're not perfect. Do you understand? So, so like a lot of people say, well, I'm a sinner, right? It sounds humble to say these types of things. But that means if Jesus Christ came down to die for our sins and he's our Lord and Savior, meaning he had to save me from something, not just addiction, not just alcohol, but sin, the, the, the burden of sin, right? If he washed all of us and he made us righteous, then how then can we still say that we're sinners? It's like saying that the, the washing machine is broken. Yeah. Do you understand? God came to wash the dirty, evil sinners like us. Right. Yes, we may not all like we may all have different sins. Right. I may look like a gang member. I feel like I'm the biggest sinner here. Right. I look like the biggest sinner. But inside of our hearts, a sin is sin inside of God, in front of God. Right. We all fall short, it says in Romans 3.23. So if we fall short in front of God, that is why he had to send Jesus. And this washing machine analogy is essentially Jesus Christ is the washing machine. When we meet Jesus, all of our sins are washed, and that's what really changed my life. I then no longer had to trust my thoughts anymore, telling me that I'm a sinner, telling me that I don't do well, that I need to do this, that, and the other. And I was able to truly believe the word of God, and it really set me free. And from then on, I was able to read the Bible front to back 21 times. I was able to actually, like, gain the revelation and the wisdom and the articulation from God. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Amen. Great stuff. And since we have time... Another example that you gave, another illustration you gave is uh, the electricity illustration to illustrate connection, the importance of connection. So would you care to explain that? Absolutely. So, um, you know, it's, it's really truly about connection with God, right? So let's say, for example, there's a, um, let's say a Samsung refrigerator, right? If it's, if it's connected to the electricity, then it'll be able to you know, um, refrigerate things, freeze things, right? But let's say you unplug the electricity, it's disconnected, right? It's just a really nice piece of metal, essentially. It's a nice decoration. It doesn't serve its purpose, right? So um, God, for example, he has this infinite amount of knowledge, wisdom, wealth, happiness, everything. But if we're not connected to God, that that infinite, you know, wealth and knowledge doesn't become ours, then we have to focus on generating our own electricity through our own efforts, through our own works, and that's why we're living this up and down lifestyle, because we're imperfect. We're people that we can't do anything without God, actually. Even the grace of God to wake up, we need that. Right? To go to sleep, we need that. But a lot of people think that, well, I must do something for God. Right? But it's, it's really kind of foolish, because we as creation, what can we do for God, truly? 
nothing. That's why he had to do everything for us. So I use this connection, this electricity analogy to recognize, to, to show people that they must recognize we are people that we can't do anything and we must be connected to God. Well, how do we become connected to God? Accepting everything God says above our thoughts. That's the most important thing. The, for example, you guys know the story of the, the wedding at Cana when the first miracle where he changes water into wine right? It's not just there to show us that God can change water into wine. There's a deeper, deeper uh, meaning inside of that. The servants were connected to, to Jesus because they drew the water, for example. They tasted the water. They looked at it. It was water. But Jesus Christ said, what? It is wine. Do you understand? So in the end, who was right? Jesus Christ, right? So we must throw our thoughts away of what we see, right? I see myself as a sinner, God says, no, I sent my son to die for you. You're righteous. Which one is right? <laughs> right? Word of God is right. Same thing with Lazarus. Lazarus was dead. Mm. But then he says, no, he's sleeping. Doesn't make sense. Everyone's like, he's, he's dead. He's rotting away. So they had to make a decision. Am I going to trust what I see and what I think and what I feel in all of my experiences? Or am I going to trust the word of God? Right? And once you trust the word of God, Lazarus hopped out, right, when he called them, come forth. So God is telling us that we need to throw away our thoughts. That is true repentance and believe to the word of God yeah. only. And that's it. So that's the connection we have with God. Yeah. His, his wisdom will awesome. flow. So if you want that wealth of wisdom, love, and forgiveness, Amen. and grace, you're going to be connected to, Amen. to the creator Amen. himself. God is good. Uh, the source yeah. of everything. Wonderful, Johnny. Um, maybe uh, final thoughts for those who are exploring faith, mm. for those who are on the journey of faith, yes. wanting to know what is the true faith. Yeah. And uh, I also heard from uh, your interview that you read the Quran back to front twice. And, three times. And three times. Three times. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what made you, like, for those who are exploring still, sure. like, uh, how do you find true faith? So for me, if you guys look at every religion, every religion in this world, if you think about it, teaches you to do well, right? I mean, love people. And no religion blatantly tells you to murder people and do evil things. But the one thing about Christianity for me, true Christianity, was that God was telling me that, hey, Johnny, you can't do anything without Jesus, right? Like every other religion is off of your own works. And, and like I couldn't lift myself out of depression. I could maintain it. I was taking antidepressants. I was self-medicating, doing drugs, but I never overcame it, right? But God was saying that I'm here to pull you out of it. That's why he's called our savior. He has to save me from something, right? So Christianity for me is truly something that's, the, it is the real religion for me personally because it, it saved me from everything. You know, I've changed. I'm, I'm not supposed to be here today. You know, I've, I've almost got murdered many times. I've been shot. I've been stabbed. Um, you know, I've, I've been to prison since 12 all the way up to 25. Like, I shouldn't be here, right? I should be only three destinations. Strung out, meaning like on drugs on the streets. I should be buried in prison, meaning catching life and doing all day, never getting out, or I should be dead, right? But the amazing thing about God is that he saved me. Right? And he poured all of his grace onto me. And, and that's the God that I love. You know, every other religion is like, you have to do something. Your good deeds must outweigh your bad deeds. But it truly didn't make sense to me. You know, even being Muslim at the time I was, Sunni Islam. And uh, it, it taught to do good, you know, above bad. But the thing is, if I murder somebody, let's say, and then 20 years later I do well, then does that miraculously bring that person back to life? Like, no, good deeds don't outweigh anything. 
right? So in my heart, I was able to say, oh, I need to be forgiven. I need to be saved. I need to be pulled out of this loneliness, depression, sadness, anger, frustration, all of that. And when I was able to discover that, like I would say for you people too, whoever is new to faith, give Jesus a try. You know, honestly, he can truly, that God who serves me also loves you and also wants to help you as well. Amen. Well, we could, we could sit here and talk for hours more, Johnny. <laughs> sure. But unfortunately, we have to uh, end this because the, the next gathering is happening. Any final thoughts or words for those who are struggling in life yeah. uh, in general? Yeah. Maybe battling depression or yeah. whatever it is that they're going through. It's really, really rough and yeah. really, really tough. Sure. And what would you say? You know, I would say that the first thing I would give advice to people is don't trust yourself. You know, not everything that comes from you is from yourself. Because if you if you were, uh, you know, if it was from, for yourself, you wouldn't be in that position. So I would take one, just one chance to step out of yourself and think about your life, you know, how you've led it. And truly be honest with yourself to see, you know, if are you living this up and lifestyle, up and down lifestyle, or are you living very based? So that's the one thing. And then I would say that it's okay. Failures are really important. Because everybody wants to be successful. But the thing is, you never learn anything from success. You learn all of your, 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 your lessons from failure. And, and you know, they say in America, no pain, no gain, right? So the pain that you're going through is actually growing you. So to say, I don't want to fail anymore, is the same as saying, I don't want to grow anymore. Right? So I would say, you know, it's okay. You got to go through this season or whatever it is that you guys are going through. And it's going to make you, because me too, I didn't want to be in prison. I don't want to, you know, do all this, this evil stuff, but I had to get through that to get to where I'm at now. And I feel like there's hope for people too, you know, amen. All right. Johnny, for those who want to follow you, what's your YouTube channel or Insta yeah, uh, account? Sure. What is that? Uh, it's Johnny, Johnny-Chang. And then you guys can find me on Instagram, No Script Fellowship. No Script, no script Fellowship. And shout out Jaden too, bro. Thank you, man. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, thanks, Johnny, for being here. Absolutely. We are so blessed, everybody here. And I read a lot of the comments on YouTube as well. People have reconciled with their parents because Amen. of your testimony. Amen. They came to know Jesus because of your testimony. Amen. They told your stories to hundreds and thousands of people. Amen. So you are being used by God. And we just want to continue to support you and love you. And, you. and be on your side as you continue to be used by God Amen. all over the world to, to spread the good news of love, grace, and forgiveness Amen. to Amen. everybody. Let's give Johnny a huge round of applause one more time. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more great resources and to keep yourself up to date, head to our website. Visit therocks.church.